0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. This week I was um, just scrolling through social media, and one of my buddies from college, um, I just saw just a little clip of what he said. And basically, I I assume the whole message was about just the healing. And the, um, the effects of worship in your life. And he was talking about all these books he read about just the, the science behind it. Of just what happens inside of us when we put ourselves out there to worship. As I'm standing back there, um, just waiting to speak and just knowing we are here together this morning. And lifting up in worship, just what God is able to do and what he just did in us. And I love that we get to come and do that every week. It's one of the reasons I think it's so important we're consistent with this, is because as we worship, God does a work deep inside of us that sometimes we don't even know what's going on. And so I'm so glad to worship with you guys this morning. I'm so glad we're here and doing this every week. I love that we're a church. Now, I know a bunch of people are gone today because Labor Day and people are traveling, so I guess I want to say good morning to those people and watching online with us today. We miss you and can't wait to see you next week. Um, But before I get into the message today, and we're starting a new series today, um, I know a couple weeks ago I kind of talked about this, but I'm going to circle back because um, Bill gave a bunch of announcements today, but I said, hey, let me talk about um, what else is on the table in the lobbies and on our apps and our website Um, is the groups that are starting in this next month if you're here a couple weeks ago you know I talked about the culture of togetherness that we are so much stronger as a we people than just a me person you know I'm not going to give that message again but I just want to encourage you I want to challenge you it's good to do this I already said why But we need people around us and other people need you and your wisdom and your life walk in their lives as well And this booklet here and then once again, it's online. It is filled with times that you can Kind of put yourself out there and connect with other people That goes beyond just this moment And if you go online, you'll see all the starting dates and the times and all those kind of things But but I would encourage you you grab one of these as you leave today If you're watching online, go online and find a place maybe that you would give a chance to say, Know Sunday or throughout the week, I I will give a chance to be in community with other people. I've said this to you a bunch if you're part of One Hope is that one of the main reasons we went from one service to two is because we wanted to maximize this building so that people could be in community together. And we only have so much space, and that space is slowly filling up of all the groups around this place, even on Sunday morning. And I know life is really busy, and giving up another night of the week may not be something you can do, but we do have have from 9 to 12 on Sunday mornings, where you can say, hey, I'm going to block this, this time of my life, and say, I'm going to come worship with my church, and I'm going to worship through small groups as well. And so, as these are kicking off this fall, I just wanted to give special attention to this. Will you consider being part of something more than what we do in this room? And so, go online and check those out. I, I don't know what you do when you travel, even around town when you're in your car, your vehicle You may be, um, you know, sports radio people You may be music people, you know Like I don't know what you listen to Or maybe it's just silence in your car But typically, in, in, in when I'm driving my Jeep down the road I'm listening to a podcast, okay I'm a podcast guy And um, on long trips, Amber and I pick a podcast So we can just like go through the whole thing The whole story or whatever it may be but one of the podcasts that's in the rotation is one called Business Wars, okay? I just I like hearing about the, how businesses came about and how from ground level up and the entrepreneurs in it and whatnot. And recently, I was listening to it and the conversation was about the, the war between Walmart and Costco okay walmart and costco and how they um, came up through the years and began to talk about years ago before the big mega stores how you shopped was you'd go to one store after another and you would get the thing that that store had really limited it was just like here's our niche and here's our niche and here's our niche and it, it, t- it would take longer Sometimes even more expensive, but all throughout the town, you'd have all those little stores and but but then people started to think Is there a way we could do this to make not just For better for worse, right? But like instead of having all these places you could go to one place and they would have everything So you got the entrepreneurs of Walmart the entrepreneurs of, of Costco and others have come up but they talked about that transition in culture of how it went from little individual stores to these mega stores and how that changed America. Now, as I'm listening to this, I do what probably you would have done if you were listening to it. I began to think, my mind went to... um how the worship of gods in ancient cultures worked That's where your mind would have went, right? Like, if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, I know where my mind would go. The worship of gods in ancient cultures. Like, I know, we're just alike in that. Like, you're just like Pastor Scott, right? But no, my mind went, began to think about these gods, lowercase, and how they were worshiped in ancient culture, and that shouldn't really make sense to you. So, I'm going to bring you along my train of thought how I did this, but today for this conversation we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 20, okay? 1 Kings chapter 20. Eventually we'll get to verse 22. But to know why my mind went to ancient gods' worship out of Costco and Walmart, let me tell you this story. There was a king named Ben-Hadad. And he did what many kings do, As They get some power. They try to accumulate more power and how they get more power is they begin to dominate other towns other cities other cultures And what they do is they go in and they exert their power and they take their gold They take their silver they take their resources and as their resources grow They're able to do more and then power and power and power all throughout the course of history is People dominating other people and rise up and then someone else would dominate them and they'd go down and up and down up and down This is how culture worked And so this king benhadad one day sent a message to the king of israel And he said to him i'm coming i'm gonna take your gold i'm gonna take your silver and i'm gonna take your best wives I don't really know what that last one is take your best wives, but i'll leave that for you guys But i'm gonna come take your gold i'm taking take come take your silver i'm gonna take your best wives The response from the king was Okay, we submit, you got it Okay Well, he sent another messenger to him He said, after we're done that We're going to come back a second time We're going to come look in your place Your palace, your stuff We're going to see if there's anything we have forgotten Your gold, your silver, your best wives And the king's like, man Benedad's always looking for trouble and so his prophets, his counselors, said to him, don't say yes to this demand. It's interesting to me that it's like, you can take all the stuff, but don't take mine. But that's, a, that's an interesting part of the story. But don't let him, so he sends a message back. He goes, we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it. We're not gonna give you all of our stuff. And so the King ben said, okay, I'm coming in, and I'm going to destroy you. And so both armies kind of mounted up, and the, the, the army from Israel began to work towards this other army, and they, get, and they have the battle, but surprisingly, the army of Israel came and destroyed, just dominated ben haddads, and they went running. They went running for the hills. Something happened in this moment that he did not expect, and this is where we pick up in verse 22. It said, Afterward, afterward. After this battle, the prophet came to the king of Israel and said, strengthen your position and see what must be done, because next spring the king of Aram will attack you again. That's Ben Hadad. Meanwhile, the officials of the king of Aram advised him, their gods are gods of the hills. That is why they were too strong for us. But if we fight them on the plains Surely we'll be stronger than they Do this Remove all the kings from their commands And replace them with other officers You must also raise up an army like the one you lost Horse for horse Chariot for chariot So we can fight Israel on the plains Then surely we'll be stronger than they He agreed with them and he acted accordingly the next spring, Ben-Hadad mustered the Arameans and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. When the Israelites were also mustered and given provisions, they marched out to meet them. The Israelites camped opposite them, and they looked like two small flocks of goats, while the Arameans covered the countryside. So you can get a picture, right? Small versus Big. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am Lord. For seven days, they camped opposite each other and on the seventh day, the battle was joined. The Israelites inflicted 100,000 casualties on their and foot soldiers in one day. And the rest of them escaped to the city of Aphek, where the wall collapsed on 27,000 of them. And Ben-Hadad fled to the city and hid in an, uh, in an inner room. Stop there. Ben-Hadad made a crucial Made a life changing error in how he decided to fight this battle. See, he made the crucial error by believing the counselors, his, his advisors, the people who are speaking wisdom in him. He believed them when they said the God of Israel was the God of the, uh, the hills or the mountains and not the God of the valleys. The God was limited. And that if they met them in the valley, they wouldn't have God on their side. And this belief, this viewpoint on God changed how they operated in this moment in their life, how they engaged in the battle. But why did they do that? Why did they have this viewpoint Why did they decide this is how they were going to view this situation and why they lost? Well, in order to know that, full circle, we need to know a little bit about the ancient God worship of the Old Testament. See, all cultures of all times worship something or someone. When something wasn't understood... It would become mystical. It would become spiritual. They would have to have reasons for it. So different groups of people in different times, they would um, begin to worship, and when I say gods, it's lowercase gods, in order to accomplish what they needed to accomplish with their life. Let me give you some examples of some of these gods that they would compile to be able to accomplish the task. There's a God, once again, lowercase g, a God named Dagon. Dagon was the God, uh, the primary God of the Philistines. You've heard about the Philistines before, right? We got David and Goliath, we got Philistines. When the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God in the Old Testament, they'd take the Ark of the Covenant, the Israelites would, when it was taken from the Israelites, the, the Philistines took it to the temple of Dagon. And Dagon means grain. And so, amongst a few other things, he was looked at as the god of agriculture, which was a huge part of their culture. Now, just an interesting part of this story. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the temple of Dagon. The story goes that when they would come back in the morning, they would see that the idol... You know, whenever you have a god, you make an idol of it, right? It would fall in front of the Ark of the Covenant. They would pick it up, and they'd put it back in place. They'd come back the next day. It would fall in front, and they'd put it back in the same place to the point where it began to break the, the arms and the pieces of it. So they said, okay, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to ta- start taking it to our cities. And every city it would go into, people began to get sick to the point where the Philistines said, this is cursed. We don't want it. And they gave it back to Israel. This is the interesting story of how that played out. But they had the god of Dagon. There was the god um, Hadad, which is the god of thunder and storms. There was the god Marduk, which is the, the uh, patron god of Babylon. If you've heard of Babylon before, this was the god that would help them win their wars. It was the god Tamas. T-A-M-M-U-Z This was the god of fertility There was the god of the Moabites Another uh, group of people in the Old Testament um, The god Chemosh There was the god Astoreth She was the god of love And fertility again Okay, So I could go on and on about the gods that they had all these little gods in their culture that they would compile together and hopefully they have enough gods that they can get done in their life what they need to get done. Now, there's a lot we could talk about um, on, on, on worship of gods, but let me give you the cliff notes. This is what the culture was. The gods were in the power seat. And it was the job of the people to keep the gods happy So if they kept the gods happy, then they believed good things would happen If they didn't keep the gods happy, then bad things would happen. This was their viewpoint This is why you have all the um the gold and the silver and the crops like the sacrifices and the altars this is why you see the culture of, like, of child sacrifice going on because they have to make the gods happy and they can't get angry. They would try to do whatever they could because God, the gods had the power and they needed us to serve them. And if they weren't happy, oh, life wasn't good. This is the culture. Go back to our story. And maybe you see why the counselors, the, the, the wise people, quote-unquote, for ben Haddad, had the view they had. I know why they beat us. I know why they got us. Because their God is the God of the hills, the mountains. And that's where we tried to fight them. Stupid us. So let's change it up let's fight them in the valleys where the god has no power it's as simple as that we're bigger than them we're stronger than them if we just go where their god has that power we're gonna win but we see what happens right we see the story the God of Israel, hopefully the same God that we are here to worship today, the God that we believe was in the beginning, created everything, is not the God that they say he is. The God of the Old Testament, over and over, we have plenty of stories where he had to show the people, I'm not the God you think I am, and your gods aren't the gods you think they are, because I'm not the God of the mountains." And I'm not the God of the valleys. And I'm not the God of agriculture. And I'm not the God of fertility. I'm not the God of fill whatever blank in. in. I am God who is in everything and over everything. And that day, Ben-Hadad learned a lesson. Because if you read the next part of the story After he runs He comes back And the words they use He comes back in sackcloth And that is a picture That is what it looked like When they came back It's like waving the white flag And he came back just looking for mercy He even says to the king of Israel I'll give you back what my dad took from your dad And I'll make it right Just let me live This is how the story goes and why today do i share this story from first kings that some of you maybe have heard some of you maybe have never heard before i'm treating today as like an intro to the rest of the series we're going to walk through this fall i'm treating today as almost like a teaser to what is to come The heart behind this series, the heart behind this conversation is I don't want us to make the same mistakes, practically speaking, the same mistakes that Ben Hadad made, not just in our belief system, but in our actions of every day. Because the reality is, truly practically, reality speaking, sometimes I think our spoken belief about God Doesn't align With our everyday of trusting God Hear me Our spoken belief about God You know what your spoken belief is, right? We just just, through worship Gave spoken beliefs Our spoken beliefs about God don't always align with our everyday trusting of God. So today I'm asking you to be open. I'm asking you to be a little vulnerable. I'm asking you to be a little analytical. I'm asking you to be, um, j- just to be honest with yourself, because I have two questions to ask you about your life. And the first question is How many gods do you have in your life? And the second question is Do you ever limit the areas where God has the authority and power in your life? How many gods do you have in your life? And this may seem like an offensive question a, 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 a simple question Maybe even a ridiculous question What do you mean How many gods do I have In my life Hear me out The theologian um, John Calvin once said this The human heart Is a perpetual Idol factory Say that again The human heart is a perpetual idol factory. What I think John wanted to get to his people and then through the course of of history what he wanted to speak to people was is that we have a habit of letting our heart turn things into idols, which are God's. That we have a habit of letting our heart worship things in our lives, and we turn them into gods. And when they become little gods, when they become idols, what happens is they end up running our lives. What happens, they end up being in the authority. What happens is we end up having to keep satisfying these gods. They are hungry And if we don't satisfy them, then we have this like emptiness feeling We don't have and do and feel all the things that we should I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week and asked me, hey, what are you speaking on? And I was kind of describing it and um, he said to me, he said, Scott Our human tendency is to take the good gifts that god gives And turn them into an idol or a god Is he right? Our human tendency is to take the good gifts that God gives. James 1 says, don't be deceived. Every good gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights who never changes. Don't be deceived. All the good comes from your Father who loves you and wants to pour blessings on you. But do we have a tendency to turn the good things we get in life into idols for our lives? Can we get a gift from God and end up worshiping the gift more than the one who gave it to us? Can we be people who get blessing? And we end up worshiping that blessing more than the one that said, I want to bless you. I want to I give to you out of love. The simple question I want to ask you this morning for that first question is, is there anything in your life you've turned into an idol that really was a blessing from God? Have you turned anything into an idol in your life when the reality is God gave that to you? What are areas this could happen? Can it happen, parents? Can it happen with our kids? Is there any way that it can happen with our kids? Can it happen with our jobs? Can it happen with our talents and sports? Can, can, can it happen... With anything that we have Is there anything in our life That's a blessing from God And we've turned it into This is what we worship And we give ourselves away to it That it almost runs our lives That we don't own it It owns us That it's no longer a blessing. It's actually a curse of a weight because of how much we worship it. Is there anything in your life that has become a God because of how you worship it? When God really meant it just as a gift, as a blessing. How many gods do we have in our life. We can look back at the culture and say, this is ridiculous. How can you have that God and 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 that God? You worship these things? And then we look at our own life and go, do we have that God and that God and that God and that God and that God? And we worship these things. The second question was do you ever limit the areas that God has power over, authority over in your life? Remember the context of this question. That all their gods had limited authority in certain areas. Do we ever limit God to certain areas? It's different because their gods were self-limited. But do we ever limit God? I'm going to go through these slowly because I really want us to evaluate this this morning. Is God, is God the God over places like your marriage? If you're married this morning, Is God given authority and power in your marriage for how you walk through it? How you love, how you serve, how you speak, decisions that you make, how you come together? Do you allow God to be the authority and power in your marriage? And if you have limited God, how do you open the door to give Him full authority and power? Is God the God of your parenting? If you've got kids, you know how hard it is to give up control. How hard it is for you to let God But in your parenting, the decisions you make, the things you say yes to, the things that you say no to, the culture of your home, or maybe they're not in your home still, and you're in the next phase of life. I've told you, I'm walking into this and wondering how I parent in this next phase of my life. Are you allowing God to be God with power and authority to do what He wants in your parenting? Is God the God of your money? Talk about a blessing that God gives. I've told you over and over, part of One Hope, that I believe our money is a very spiritual thing. I think it's a very spiritual thing that can bring freedom or bring prison. It has nothing to do with the amount. Does God have the power, the authority to set the pace for how your finances work in your life? To what you say yes to, to what you say no to. To where you spend it and where you don't spend it. If God told you, I want you to give, I want you to spend, I want you to do something in a certain area, do you have a yes or do you have a no? Is God honored in how you use what has been given to you? Is God the God of this area of your life? Is God the God of your sexuality? This is a big cultural conversation. Is God the God that, that dictates purity, that dictates identity, that dictates how you walk through sexuality in our life? And our culture is, no, is, is as sexual maybe as it's ever been. But this has been around for forever. And does God get to be the God in our sexuality? Addictions, purities, decisions that we make. Is God the God of our dating? Some of you aren't married. Let me tell you, first of all, there's nothing wrong with that. Whether you've never been married or you're divorced and are not married now. But God is God the God in how you're walking out your dating life. What you're allowing God to set the pace for or not set the pace for? Is God the God of your health? I was talking to somebody this week, and um, she said to me, she said, Scott, um, this is, eating's always been, food's always been a thing for me, like I've just really, really struggled with. But most recently, God has convicted me to saying this is a obedience thing in your life for me and I want you to be obedient and be healthier because I've got more for you. And she says, Scott, when I started viewing it that way of like honoring God or not honoring God, God, letting God be in this, it changed my life and not just the weight that I'm losing, but I feel empowered, I feel more in control, just submitting to God in this, my health, that God has created a body and are we being stewards of that? Is God the God of our health? Is God the God while you work at your job? Think about this. If you work, tomorrow you go to work. Is God setting the pace? Is He the power and authority of how you operate? From your integrity, from your work ethic, how you treat other people? comes into our greed and our power um, status kind of hunger is God the God in this area in my life is God the God of your future do you trust him do you give him authority and power over tomorrow I think this is why scripture talks about we don't worry about tomorrow. Because God is going to be with us in our tomorrow. Do we trust that? Do we give God the power of our tomorrow? Do we give God the power and authority of our past? That we have all have a past. And sometimes it's hard to get over our past. And sometimes it's because we are holding on to it the whole time God wants us to give it to Him, and He brings what needs to be brought to our past. Do we get, let God be part, uh, God of our past? Do we let God be the God in the most painful places in our life? Do we give Him this section of our life? As some of you have deep hurts from your past because of decisions you made or someone has made on, without you having any control. And there's painful things going on. And, and do we allow God to be the God of our painful moments so that we can bring healing? He can bring healing to these painful moments. Or are we like, no, the most painful moments I am closing God off from because it hurts too much. See what can often happen in our lives We give God part of our lives But we don't Let God be over Every part of our lives Sometimes analogies Let's make this stick Stories end up Allowing us to see things in new ways And, and think about it this way You grew up in school You ever used one of these before Walk through a cafeteria bring back memories you walk up and and in one section you're like okay they put that awesome pizza in that section right there little squares of pepperoni right it's good stuff and another side, they, they put the corn over here in the small section over here maybe a little mashed potatoes or whatever vegetable or whatever I don't know what your school had you know like they put and then the milk goes in one of the containers and maybe a little dessert Growing up, actually, I love plates like this because I didn't want my food to touch. I don't know if anybody's like that, but I didn't like my food. So, so, what we do, we section off these things. And we think that this is a, a, a good thing or whatever. It's like, oh, in, in life, it's like, God, I'm giving you the big sections of my life. I'm sectioning things off. And you get the big compartment because I really like that. And this other section over here, uh, you, you get that's kind of my section you know like you can have the pizza section but I'm going to take the corn section I'm going to keep that and you don't really have authority over that and we think we give God some bigger places and smaller places but what we do is we hold back certain places we compartmentalize our life and it's like God you get like three out of the five sections like a cafeteria tray God, you're the God of three out of five. That's pretty good, right? But what if, like, God's trying to push back and he's trying to push back on Ben Hadad and his belief and trying to teach a lesson to the Israelite king of, like, I'm not just the God of this section and this section and this section. Like, that's not how I am as a God. Like, how I operate is this is my tray. Like, this is my try. It's the whole thing. Like, we're not compartmentalizing something. We're not taking sections and choosing which part you get. Put the food on, and it's all yours. Put your life on it, and it's all yours, God. I'm not going to keep little sections to myself. I'm not just going to pick the parts that are easier for me. This is how our life should be looked. should look like. See, the question I have today for us is, if God is not God of all, is He God at all? If God is not God of all, is He really God at all? started talking about. Walmart and Costco and the changing in cultures and I don't really care about that's not really a conversation But it just it brought me to this thought it was like sometimes in life. It can all be these little stores And we got to go to all these places to get all the things that we want or we can go to one place and it, it has everything Ben Hadad thought I can win this battle over them because their God is limited to this place and We go how ridiculous Like that, that's not how it works. But in your life, we can have little gods of different places places we can go and say, this is where I get this, and this is where I get this, and this is where I get this, and this is where I get this. I believe in you, God, but this is where I get this, and this is where I get, this is where I get love, this is where I get affirmation, this is where I get joy, this is where I get my resources, this is where I get, it's just what we do. I believe in you, God, you're the God of everything. But then sometimes, God, you're the God of everything, but like, you're not allowed in this area. You're the God of this, but like, this is kind of mine. And I just think God wants to speak to us and say, I'm God of every place. And so I want to say for over the next few months, next couple months, the conversation is, we're going to look at Scripture, I'm going to remind you, the God that we worship is the God of this place and this place and this place and this place and this place place, to give us a a reminder that he's in all things, over everything, that at at the end of this I'm hoping that we're reminded I'm not gonna compartmentalize God. My life is gonna be this tray. God, you have everything, are everything, over everything, and I will not view you any other way. And so the simple question today for today's application as we walk into this, is there an area of your life where God does not have the power and authority over? And I'll simply put it to you today. Can we change that? As the Holy Spirit speaks to your mind right now, you don't give me this area. I don't have power over this. I name them. Marriage, parenting, sexuality, money, health, jobs, future, past, pain, whatever. You know the places you haven't given God authority of. And he deserves it. Because he's not a lowercase God. He's a capital G God. And so as we close in worship today, if God speaks one of those places to you, will you give it to him as I say every week, we have altars here to bring, to bring, to leave, and then walk away different. Our seats can be placed of altars. I don't, don't really care, but what I want is for us to be people who say, God, okay, I'm gonna give you power and authority over everything because I don't want any other gods. I just want you because I trust you completely. And so God... The God over everything. The God who reminded people all the time throughout Scripture who really God is. May you remind us that you have blessed us. You have given to us. You are a generous and loving God. But God, may we take all areas of our life and may we just say you're the God of it all. And I will give you power and authority. The good times and the bad. The areas I've leaned on where I haven't leaned on you enough. You want to be there. These levels, these places where we haven't been obedient. God, we want obedience to be our life. God, as you expose those areas, may we be people to say, okay, I'll trust you in those places because you are worthy of it as my God. That's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, Check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.